0: Hey guys, this is Kyle Lutz, and I'm going to be talking about the book, These Men Have Seen Hard Service, The First Michigan Sharpshooters in the Civil War, written by Raymond J. Herrick. To begin, who, what, when, where, why, and how. This novel is an historical account of the First Michigan Sharpshooters Regiment that was created after the outbreak of the war in 1862. It follows the regiment through their recruitment and training leading to their first engagement with Confederate General Morgan and his cavalry. The regiment was then incorporated into the Army of the Potomac of Virginia to fight in the Overland Campaign. Instead of taking the perspective of one individual, this book acts as a narrative, telling the story of all of the men that were mustered into this new regiment. This novel goes into extreme detail describing all of the facts about the situations that incurred, and took great care in keeping a record of all the men that served in this regiment throughout the war, by including several appendices at the end of the book that contained the regiment's casualties, the men who transferred to other units, those who survived the war, and etc. One important aspect as mentioned by the author is how few historical records there are of this regiment, and, to quote the author, It would take a fair accounting to set forth the record of the 1300 men who once called themselves the first Michigan sharpshooters. In fact, only one of the surviving members of the first Michigan sharpshooters that went on to reenlist in the U.S. Army wrote a 40-page biography detailing his time serving his nation. How are the Army values and warrior ethos illustrated within the book? I believe that this novel exhibits all army values in some shape or form throughout the course of the story, but I believe the two most prevalent are loyalty and duty. In the first half of the book, one of the biggest problems that was faced by the upper command of the regiment were deserters. Although they were commonplace throughout all regiments of both sides of the conflict, It made the jobs of the commanding officers of the first Michigan sharpshooters more difficult due to the already small pool of potential recruits in Michigan. One of the inspiring things about this situation was the attitudes of the sharpshooters that were determined to serve not just for the money. These were the men who knew their country was under attack and that they had to do something in order to preserve the thing that they loved. What were the greatest hurdles that the individuals or organizations within the book had to overcome? Despite being classified as an elite regiment, one of the basic things that this regiment lacked were adequate supplies and weaponry. For example, all the soldiers of the regiment were issued a typical Springfield rifle, which was a standard issue for many Union soldiers. This was very disappointing to many of the men and even led to some desertions, and unfortunately they never received sharpshooting rifles until they joined with the Army of the Potomac a few years later, and not having actual sharpshooting rifles affected their ability to properly and effectively skirmish in the field of battle. What conflicts of diversity, equity, and slash or inclusion are seen within this book? The most obvious example of a conflict of diversity was the inclusion of Native Americans into the first Michigan sharpshooters. While the commanding officers tended to have a higher respect for these warriors, many of the recruits did not share their same perspective. Like many minorities in the United States at the time, the Native Americans incorporated into the regiment were assembled into their own unit, known as the formidable Company K, while maintaining separation from the main force of white soldiers. Despite being treated as animals by, their, by other recruits, the Native American soldiers proved their capabilities in the battlefield, becoming some of the regiment's most dangerous fighters. Why is this book relevant to leadership today? What life and leadership principles did you gain from this book that are applicable to you as a student and future slash current leader? As stated previously in the introduction, one interesting thing about this regiment is how little historical records about, about them were kept. The men of this regiment went to hell and back, and yet they lacked the same records as other regiments from the war. The title of the book itself demonstrates how these men have seen hard service and that they deserve compensation for their sacrifices to their country. And The best way we, best way we can do this is by continuing to tell their story. This book is relevant today because it teaches us about being humble and having integrity, which to me are very important traits to have as a student and future leader. Tell us about a time within the book where the main character slash organization had to work closely with someone whose personality and values was different than their own. What contributed to these differences and how did they overcome them? In the first Michigan Sharpshooters, there was a noticeable difference between those who were serving for the money and those who were fighting for their country. This divide in motivation became apparent in the situation in which the regiment received its first casualty of a war without seeing actual combat. While on guard duty, Private Abel Shaw's rifle was loaded by an unknown soldier, while another soldier by the name of Private Charles Johnnessy proceeded to set off Shaw's rifle. Instead of scaring Shaw, which the prank was originally intended to do, the musket ball fired from the rifle ripped through Shaw's shoulder, mortally wounding him. The regiment's surgeon was able to reattach his arm, although it would not be of much use. However, after a month of suffering, Shaw died from his wounds. Afterwards, Colonel DeLand was furious with what had occurred and demanded punishment. Although it was never disclosed, Private Private Charles Jonassi is surely known that he had to live the rest of his life with this guilt of murdering someone. Give an example, when the characters within the book struggled to build a relationship with someone important, how did they eventually overcome that? One of the biggest problems faced by the regiment in the beginning of the book was simply finding men to recruit, and in Michigan this was extremely difficult. The governor of Michigan, Governor Blair, focused his state's recruitment on keeping already formed regiments in the field filled with manpower, and limiting the number of new regiments being able to be formed. Because of this recruiting doctrine, it made it very difficult for DeLand, Colonel DeLand to form a new sharpshooter regiment. DeLand's main argument for the formation of the first Michigan sharpshooters was to recite all the success current sharpshooters, sharpshooting regiments had received and how they provided the backbone of the Union Army. Although it was difficult to move Governor Blair away from his goals to keep existing regiments full of fresh recruits, DeLand was able to nudge him in the right direction by November 1862 with him ordering the mustering of four to five sharpshooting battalions. Give an example of a time where individuals within the book were able to be creative within their work. What was exciting or difficult about it? After the regiment's successful engagement with General Morgan's cavalry, the 1st Michigan sharpshooters received orders to return to the Dearborn arsenal where they originally were positioned. The following days after the battle, Colonel DeLand and his regiment were loaded onto a train and began their journey back home. However, they were abruptly stopped and told to disembark from the train at a switch-off station in Ohio. Furious and confused, Colonel Deland contacted his superiors about transport back to Dearborn and what had happened, in which they replied there were no trains available at the time to transport them, but they could find a way to muster a train engine and a few boxcars to pick them up at noon the following day furious, Colonel Deland accepted this and told the rest of his men. The following day, Deland and his men were picked up by the ragtag train and were once again on their way back home. However, since they had to ride in boxcars, much of the ammunition that the men were carrying was ruined due to the rain and being exposed to the environment, and many of the soldiers had lost their rifles. Once again, however, the regiment was abruptly stopped off at uh, was abruptly stopped and dropped off at a switch station far from home with no train to pick them up in toledo ohio once again furious the colonel called his higher command about transportation and once again no trains were available but they could try to ride aboard try to ride aboard a mail train that was in toledo ohio currently and was traveling towards detroit and once again the sharpshooters boarded a ragtag train and were comfortable and on and were uncomfortably on their way back. Once they finally reached their destination, Colonel demanded an explanation for the troubles they had to go through. The commanding general present explained to the land that a special passenger train was ordered to pick up the sharpshooters at a different location than that was previously disclosed, and that the special train had arrived several hours before empty-handed. This situation resulted in unneeded confusion fatigue, and short tempers. Tell us about a time individuals within the book were dissatisfied with their work. What could have been done, in your opinion, to make it better? One of the most mentioned individuals in this book was Colonel DeLand the man who laid the foundation for this regiment and led his men to victory in their engagement with Confederate General Morgan and his cavalry, and at the Siege of Petersburg, in which the first Michigan sharpshooters were the first ones to raise the Union flag after the battle. Despite these accolades, DeLand's reputation had been dealt several blows ever since he began his tenure in the U.S. Army. Before beginning his career in the armed services, Colonel DeLand was a newspaper journalist and was not afraid to spark arguments with others who would disagree with his opinion, and he would carry this attribute into his army career. Due to this, he had few friends outside and lots of enemies who took every chance they could to smear his legacy especially when the colonel would have to remove himself from active command in order to treat his wounds, which many thought was unnecessary. I believe that Colonel DeLand could have had a more reserved stance while in, com- in command of his regiment. Although it was admiral that it is admiral that he held his ground and defended his beliefs, it was difficult for him to fight back when he was injured and taking hits from journalists and politicians. This in turn caused the men to slightly lose faith in their commanding officer, which could have had severe negative effects. In general, I believe that he could have kept more to himself and that he should have placed the importance of his men's faith higher than his belief to defend his opinions. Thank you for listening to my podcast. This is Kyle Lutz, and the book that I was talking about is These Men Have Seen Hard Service, the first Michigan sharpshooters in the Civil War, written by Raymond J. Herrick.